point is now craft again. And Anderson Valley isn't. Ah, uh, they still are. Shut up, it's a good headline. Okay, clickbait. We also have White Claw sales surging and Coca-Cola suing them. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. This is the podcast where the news gets drunk and the drunks make news. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How are you doing this morning? Oh, pretty good. A little hoarse. Uh, I feel yeah, this, like I might be catching a slight cold. This might be the uh, uh, It's All Beer. We will both have a little bit of a cold edition, so you may have to uh, just excuse us. But um, I We felt, couldn't skip this week. I say, if you've at all been paying attention to beer news this week, uh, I feel like if we decide to take this week off... It just wouldn't have worked. <laughs> just We just would have had to stop. Shit, yeah. It would just been like, you know what? Never mind. Let's just give up. So, uh, yeah. Um, I guess what we're saying is we've got some shit to talk about, but before Buyouts! We... Buyouts! Buyouts! All right, Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> before we do, um, what are we drinking today? Uh, so, our friend uh, who we had on the podcast, Chris McGinnis, uh, reached out to me and said he's got a couple new experimental beers that he wanted us to try out. So he dropped off uh, one of his new experimental IPAs that he's hoping may make the actual tap wall at his brewery, Gem State Brewing, when it finally opens. It's a hell of a gambit giving us a, a beer and uh, uh, to, to drink on air because it'd be like, okay, everybody who's not Chris, stop listening. Okay, Chris, we got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, this, was, this is really good. Nice uh, uh, traditional West Coast IPA. Uh, it feels like it's got uh, a light straw color, uh, nice uh, kind of a piney herbal aroma as near as I can tell through a little bit of a cold and um, mm-hmm. a good balance on bitterness. Uh, it's, 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 it's got that hit, uh, it's got that piney uh, herbal hit. Uh, we both kind of think uh, uh, suspect some Chinook involved, but it's a nicely balanced IPA. I think you can drink a pint or two yeah. of this. I was going to say, tastes delicious in between the... Honey menthol uh, cough drops I've been sucking down on my way here, so. I guess, uh, I think what we're both saying is, um, Chris, if uh, you're listening to this, um, make sure to have a bowl of uh, honey menthol cough drops <laughs> to have, to serve, to pair with the beer, just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, nice solid West Coast IPA, which I'm finding myself straying more and more back towards the west coast ipas I, there's a, i feel like a there's a little bit of a pull there because i i although there's uh at least at my tap room uh, uh the hazy ipas are still killing it but i've got a lot of people who just kind of look and go i just want something bitter mm-hmm. so and i go i just kind of point to me i'm like i'm right here dude <laughs> you're like i'm bitter and crotchety and <laughs> <laughs> oh you meant a beer oh, oh. okay Anyway, speaking of bitter, <laughs> let's talk about Ballast Point. <laughs> let's talk about Constellation. They're the bitter ones. <laughs> um, so, it came out uh, earlier this week that um, uh, Ballast Point, um, the uh, brewery that in 2015 was bought by Constellation Brands for $1 billion, has been sold. For an undisclosed amount. But all we know is it's less than a billion dollars. I'm guessing quite a bit less because it was bought uh, by Kings and Criminals out of Chicago. Kings and Convicts. Kings and Convicts. Thank you. Uh, Starting off this podcast right. <laughs> but Kings and Convicts, if you haven't heard of them, welcome to the club. I was going to say, you're not alone. <laughs> Nobody saw this shit coming. And technically, Kings and Convicts did not purchase Ballast Point. 
it was the investors from Kings and Convicts, as well as two more outside investors, partnered in to buy Ballast Point Brewing. Oh, okay. But it's... They're but, still mean, owning Kings and Convicts and... But the story still kind of holds because, I mean, you know, te- the technically... It's the Kings and Convicts and uh, and uh, Ballast Point are now one. They are together. Yes. Uh, and oddly enough, I never thought I'd say this, but that buyout just made Ballast Point craft again. Yeah, this is... I Correct me if I'm wrong, but this has got to be the first time that after a buyout... The brewery in question that has been bought out gets to put the independent craft seal back on their bottles. I think this isn't quite the same, but it's similar. I saw in one of the articles I was reading, the only other time would really be Shipyard when they got divested out of Miller Coors. So basically bought their way out. Mm. Then they were able to. Then they were able to put it back on. Oh, okay, maybe. But I'm, it's, I'm sticking with this one. This is the first. You know, this, I was going to say. That one's kind of like, that one's less a buyout, more of an escape attempt. Yeah. So that's. So, you jumped a fence and no one ran after you. Yeah. So, yeah, the first time there's been a buyout where you get to put the independent craft seal back on their bottles. I'm kind of curious if Ballast Point's going to do that. Oh, I think so. Just from seeing some of the articles from the owner, uh, like the front guy, really, of this investment group and the. CEO of Kings and Convicts, he's like, you know, we used to live down in Southern California. Some of the investors are from Southern California and want to see Ballast Point get back to being a craft brewery. So he wanted to open it back up to kind of give them the freedom of exploration and bring Ballast Point back to what it used to be instead of focusing on restricting the cost. He wants to expand the growth. I think um, we can all, for me at least, and I think I speak for a lot of people, when you talk about a corporate buyout, what happened to Ballast Point with Constellation is basically what everyone fears. I mean, this I think this is the worst case scenario because Constellation really had no idea how to run a craft brewery. Um, they uh, we we talked we've talked about them since I think uh, uh, episode three uh, it was Ballast Point Blues and Heartful of Hate. Uh, go check that one out. But um, and. They start. They basically refunded themselves some money, admitting they overpaid for Ballast Point. Started shuttering tap rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, the I, the new owners now did say they are not going to shutter any of the tap rooms. All the employees are safe right now. They're going to focus on growing it back up, and the Ballast Point will be brewing some of their the Kings and Convicts beer to ship down to Australia. Awesome. Um, the, the, the tragic part, we talked about this a little bit in that same episode, was that Constellation made Ballast Point shut down their sour barrel program. And we talked about them dumping a, a, a bunch of uh, barrels of who knows what was in there, but just in uh, in there. It's a, it's, it's a shame that, that that happened before uh, uh, Kings and Convicts took over. Yeah. Uh, which, watching kind of like beer Twitter blow up has been hilarious on this. Uh, when I found out that Kings and Convicts only produced 600, is projected to produce 660 barrels of beer this year, where Ballast Point eat at their height was like 300,000 and even now is like 200,000 barrels, I was like, holy shit, Kings and Convicts is fucking tiny. Yeah. I was like, this is like when Lincoln Beards Brewing tried to buy AB InBev on Twitter and they were like, 
tell you what, we'll give you this many days to take our offer. And I was like, yeah, get it. <laughs> and I, I vaguely remember that. That was that was a brilliant little uh, uh, marketing scheme. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I saw a tweet from uh, Michael Kaiser from Good Beer Hunting that I never really watched Night Court, but uh, just reading this, it described it perfectly. Goes, remember that episode of Night Court when someone tried to claim they owned the Brooklyn Bridge because he wrote a check for it for $1 and sent it to the city and they cashed it? That's what this Kings and Convicts buying Ballast Point deal sounds like. And it's not, I mean, and by the way, I remember that episode. Yes, I am that old. But, um, I mean, that this deal seemed to have, the, this deal, the, the details are sketchy. But what we've, what's kind of leaked out makes it clear that this wasn't, they weren't norm- shopping it. Yeah, this wasn't a normal deal. It sounded a bit like, I mean, first of all, I think it took place on a golf course. Yeah, they were playing golf, uh, and uh, some of the people of the investment group said, hey, what are you guys doing with Dallas Point? And they're like, I don't know. Are you, are you guys going to get rid of it? I don't know if you made the right offer. Make an offer. And then they made an offer, and the offer got fucking accepted. Yeah, that was that's kind of how I read the story too. It was just like someone, someone from uh, uh, Kings and Convicts just say, "Hey, what, what, hypothetically, what would you sell Ballast Point?" And Constellation's like, "What? Why are you interested?" Yeah. Um, so I thought it would be a little bit apropos to like delve into uh, uh, Ballast Point a little bit and talk about. The history of that brewery and how we got, how they got to where we are, and I found something a little bit strange along the way, but um, we'll get there. Ballast Point launched in 1996, um, strangely enough, the same year as Stone Brewing, um, and they started out of the back of a San Diego homebrew supply store called Homebrew Mart. Um, it was started by Jack White, who owned the shop at the time, and White started the shop for one very simple reason: um, him and his roommate were homebrewers, and they couldn't fucking get supplies where they were where they were in San Diego so they decided to remedy that problem and start a homebrew store become their supplier right that's that's how you scarface this shit um that roommate was uh uh, uh Pete Hara um he would go on to become Ballast Point's first head brewer for about a month actually <laughs> um he um, their first beer they produced was actually the Ballast Point Copper, which is now known as uh, the Calico Amber. Okay. Um, uh, Ahern left to become, after like a month or two <clears throat> of uh, of their head brewer, he left to become a science teacher. Wow. Um, I think at this point in time, um, last I last I was able to find of him, um, he recently got cancer. Um, in order to pay for it, he became a meth kingpin. And, um, he, uh, it's some, there was a whole thing. Okay. That's not true. <laughs> that's the plot of, <laughs> and here comes a fucking <laughs> that's a, a slander lawsuit. <laughs> that's the plot of uh, breaking bad, but it's, but I'm like 98%. It's 98% not true. It's probably 98% not. It's like, it might be true, but it's probably not true. It might be true. It's definitely not true. Anywho, <laughs> um, they hired a Yusuf Cherney. Um, who was the their new head brewer and their first employee, and all was good. They were growing rapidly. By 2004, they uh, moved out of the back of Home Brew Mart. Uh, they started a new brewery. Uh, they op- opened up a bigger facility at Scripps Ranch area. Um, by 2013, they opened a second brewery and a tap room and in Little Italy, and they had to move the Scripps Ranch uh, brewery to a bigger facility in Miramar. Um, and... Um, 
this is the interesting part. Around 2008, um, they founded Ballast Point Spirits. Um, Which is now Cutwater. That's what, see, I did not know that. And then Cutwater sold to AB InBev. You just, see, you've just ruined the entire thing. I, just <laughs> might as well, I, I did not, I did not know any of that shit, but you knew it, so fuck it, we're done. All right. <laughs> You ruined the big. You ruined the big reveal. Oh, was, I'm sorry. I was so. I was so like, holy shit! They sold AB and Bev. Yeah. Act surprised when I get to that part. Because <laughs> that Cutwater was excluded from the consolation deal. Correct. And then a couple of years later, it went to AB and Bev. Correct. <laughs> but I'll act surprised. Okay. So let's flash forward to 2015. Budweiser uh, makes fun of beer snobs. And pumpkin peach ales, and then buys a brewery that creates one. They bought it and then made fun of it. Yeah. So, um, and then Ballast Point, as we've mentioned, gets bought by Constellation for one billion dollars, which um, everyone at the time thought was overpriced. But everyone's like, I mean, I guess when they're selling twelve dollars six packs, we at the time we were like, I think we were both like, well, that's a little overpriced, um, but. It was kind of hailed at the time as being like, oh my God, craft beer is a thing. It's legit. Yeah. I mean, people are paying a billion dollars for a brewery. I mean, it's the biggest. I, I did see a great tweet from Austin Beer Works that goes, if you want, if anyone wants to buy us for a billion dollars, we'll be sure, we can guarantee we'll disappoint just as much as Ballast Point did. <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> That's way to sell yourself. That's that's my like that's my level of uh, marketing. Be like, <laughs> come come at me. I'll 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 make you walk away in tears. <laughs> that's also my Tinder profile. Um, let's talk about Constellation for just a brief moment. Constellation is currently the largest importer of beer in the U.S. Um, they started as a wine importer and bottler, and wine is still a big business for them. Um, and they. Do they own basically all the classic supermarket brands? Um, we're talking about Robert Mondave, Claude Bois, Kim, Kim Crawford, Rafino, Mayomi, Manischewitz. Oh, shit. um, basically, if your grandma drinks it, it's probably Constellation. I think that's their, I think that's their official uh slogan. <laughs> what if your grandma just drinks straight whiskey? They also own some spirits. <laughs> that's, I mean, it might not, it still might be the case. Um, and that's actually Constellation is surprisingly a a young company um and their mo is to basically acquire wineries and distilleries and breweries um up until 2000 they were the uh canadigua wine company but they changed it as around 2000 when they were swallowing up wine and liquor companies like a coked up ab InBev. um and they weren't into beer until 2013 when they actually bought grupo modello from ab InBev. uh that's where they got basically all their imports. Um, that includes Corona and Modelo, obviously. Um, and actually, fun fact, as of 2017, they're now into uh, uh, medical marijuana. So Out of kids. That's, that's what you call diversification of a portfolio, kids. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Uh, 2015, the deal just went down. Um, Jack White and uh, Yusuf Charney both like leave the company within... Days of the deal going down, um, which I think was part of the reason that Constellation had no idea to do how to do or what to do with what they just bought. No, because the owners, the people who built that company, just left. Yeah, like said, there you go, have fun. We're gonna go sit on our pile of money and masturbate. <laughs> I 
please never, ever, ever be rich, Tyler. <laughs> I'm begging you. Jeremy, I always told you, if I ever get super rich, I am hiring Dwayne The Rock Johnson to become my professional cook. So that way, when I invite people over to dinner, I can be like, do you smell what The Rock is cooking? And he will want to kill me every day. <laughs> I like that that's the highest aspiration you have in life. Uh, that is great. You I'm, need me to be super rich so you can witness this. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad aspiration. I'm just saying it, it it's a little bit awe-inspiring that that is where you would, would go with that. Would you want me to dominate the world and kill everyone? No. <laughs> so. Well, it uh, depends on how big AB and Bev gets. Um, but as you said, so um, the the... The uh, the break was mostly over what uh, uh, well at least a lot of the articles I read um, suggested that the uh, the the animosity between the the founders and Constellation was over the Spirit Company, um, and it when it shook out they retained the rights and yeah they made it cut water which sold to AB InBev, and so I guess uh, where we genius cash out fucking I was twice. gonna say. I guess the uh, I guess that's where it leaves our story is that as near as I can tell, Jack White is on a beach, uh, bathing in Constellation and AB InBev money, jacking his wife. <laughs> now who's gonna get the slander lawsuit? <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> Let's be honest, we're both getting. <laughs> um, uh, Thank God this podcast is small. <laughs> Charney, uh, near as I can tell, is happily running a division of AB InBev. That saw a 200% uh, increase as of last year. And um, I'm guessing uh, Ahern is probably regrets every moment of his miserable life. Or maybe he's like, maybe he's happy being a science teacher. I'm pretty sure he's out there doing uh, doing Breaking Bad, though. Or he's teaching his kids how to make booze. It could, that, that very well could be. Because I did have a science teacher in high school that one day uh, we made beer in class. Did you really? Uh, it was kind of like what Dogfish Head did where you had to chew the fucking corn. Oh, okay. And so he did it right after lunch. You had to sit there and fucking chew, spit into an Erlenmeyer flask. And then we fermented that. And I mean, at that point, it looked so nasty. I don't think anyone would have wanted to try it. And yet, if it wasn't for that, you'd probably not be here uh, uh, talking about beer. You'd be probably doing something profitable. Like no 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 I was like can we actually brew beer not this shit <laughs> uh, but so one of the funniest things I did see was Kings and Convicts did tweet out that they were like we didn't know boats were included in this deal and there's like two Ballast Point like bass fishing boats and they're like parked outside of one of the breweries and they're on the fucking boats and they're like this is awesome I was like. This literally is just a... This is it's a, the two drunk friends that were like, we should open a bar. But they actually were like, hey, I'll buy your bar from you. And the people were like, well, how much? And they it just went. This is... I feel like this is like some weird ass like... Almost like an Adam Sandler movie where like they... Where two guys... Uh, yeah, two drunks accidentally buy the biggest brewery in... Yeah. <laughs> and so... Couple quick things, a uh, little point of emphasis back on what we were talking about. Uh, so when they were out golfing, uh, the seeds were planted in July when Waters Golf was someone he declined to name from Constellation Brands and asked the company's plans for f- its floundering craft brand. 
I said, what are you doing with Ballast Points? They said, why? I said, I wanted to buy it. It was as simple as that. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, so, just a little bookkeeping here that I wanted to kind of cover and just to kind of put this all into context real quick. So, Ballast Point will still be considered craft, uh, according to an uh, article I saw on Vine Pair from Bart Watson. Or will again, because they... Will, will again. I mean, because as of their purchase, they... I mean, according to the uh, Brewers Association, um, uh, their their guidelines, they can't bear the independent craft uh, seal. Once this deal goes through, they, they can. They can, yes. Because the parent company of both Kings and Convicts and Ballast Point... Produces less, less than, than basic, six million barrels a year, which is based. I mean, they produce basically less than uh, Yingling, which is uh, the the yeah. The top. So they will be able to be craft. Um, and final thing is, so for anyone in the Treasure Valley, I did a little digging. I saw an article from Michael Deeds just talking about like, here's the biggest breweries in Idaho based off production volume. Uh, it was from like May twenty fourth, twenty eighteen. So it would have been twenty seventeen volume numbers. Okay. Um, most people in the Valley know of Powderhouse Brewing. Yes. Their 2017 volume numbers, according to this article, were 1,250 barrels produced that year. Okay. So literally... It's like... They are, they are half the size Powderhouse was in 2015. Jesus Christ. So it would have been like Powderhouse buying... Bell's point. Jesus Christ. And I think Kings and Convicts are in their second year of business. In 2017, that would have put Powderhouse about their second second to third year of business. So so it really is like it, as if it's a small local brewery I mean, buying a fucking we're using we're using we're using uh, uh, one of our uh, uh, local breweries as an example. But I, I think the answer is go out, find your, eh, you know, your small but, you know, Maybe a little bit of a small, but has some packaging grocery store. Yeah, you know, small but is around. Go find that brewery in your neighborhood and imagine them buying fucking Ballast Point. Yeah. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, um, he, um, if anybody ever wanted to sell the shoots to a couple of podcasters, uh, just hypothetically, um, I've got like, I think I got a hundred bucks. Just and some beer. Yeah, and some beer. I got shitload. Uh, yeah, they're tap. Kings and Convicts tap room is four hundred square feet. Good fucking god! So it is, it is David versus Goliath, but now David owns Goliath. <laughs> I was about to say, I was hoping you'd say, but this time David won. I'm like, oh boy! No, you, no, I know need, that. You need to go back to Sunday school there, in Northern Idaho, because <laughs> uh, there was an interview that I told you about that I saw on the local news about a certain beer company where he's like, yeah, it's like a. Samson versus Goliath, and I'm like, and nope, <laughs> sir. Nope, <laughs> you you need some Jesus. <laughs> well, I I mean that kind of wraps up everything I have on this. It I'll be interested to see if Bell's Point can even get close to the shell of what they used to be. I think it'll be really. I think they are going to be the brewery to watch in 2020 because yeah, if if they can go back to doing what they were doing. I mean, they were such. They were doing such great work before they got bought out. Uh, people, people here locally, um, were always anticipating whatever Ballast Point was going to put out, and after that, they just kind of petered out and died. So, I think, yeah, it's 
it's going to be, I think, if they can rebuild, uh, rebuild themselves after that, it's going to be, it's going to be a good thing. So one of the reasons Corona, on a final note, one of the reasons uh, Constellation wanted to sell Ballast Point is they wanted to divert most of their efforts to the Corona Fresca, the Corona Hard Seltzer. I mean, that's not the reason they wanted to sell Ballast Point. They wanted to sell Ballast Point because they lost their ass on the deal and they, again, have no uh, no fucking idea how to run craft beer. Yes, but let's fuck. but but let's just say yeah. Um, what are they doing with Corona Fresca? I say with my heart dying a little inside <laughs> just just from the words coming out of my face. Yeah, I have. They didn't specify. They just said they wanted to divert more of their efforts towards that. Well, good luck, Constellation. I hope you enjoy producing more Corona Fresca. I'll buy Corona Fresca off you in four years for like one hundred fifty grand. You hear that? That's that's a real officer. That's a real off. That's a real officer from uh, offer. Jesus Christ! <laughs> that's an offer from Tyler. So Deschutes uh, also will buy you too, included in that 150 that's, G's. Yeah, yeah. So you guys got to argue who gets more. <laughs> All right. Before we move on, what are we drinking now? Uh so another one from our friend over at Gem State Brewing. It's his vanilla oatmeal stout. Well, I get vanilla. I get, like, coffee and chocolate. It might be me, but I'm not getting much on the aroma, but I don't think I'm in I'm in any position to really, to really, uh... uh yeah, I can't really weigh in on the aroma. Yeah, that, that might be user error. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice, it's smooth, mm-hmm. uh, nice, smooth, rich. I think I want a little more mouthfeel on it, mm-hmm. but that's just me personally. Maybe. I mean, maybe a little bit more. I, you know what? I don't know if I do or not because I think where it's at, it makes it very drinkable. I think if you bump that up much more, you start uh, you start affecting that. This is again another beer you sit down and have three or four pints of. Not as, everyone's an alcoholic, Jeremy. That's their problem, not mine. <laughs> that's how you judge a beer. Is how you can can you sit down and drink several pints of this? So you have to judge it as, as if you're a raging alcoholic. That's that's how Can you... I kill a six pack? Exactly. Goddamn right. All right. So, Tyler, who else got bought out this week? Drum roll, please. Our good friends at the 32-year-old Anderson Valley Brewing Company. Which pissed me off because... I was going to put their name on my December uh, Deadpool on my yeah on my uh, on my uh, 2020 uh, Deadpool list. Which, uh, by the way, we're doing. I think we're going to do that. Uh, our, final episode. Our, uh, final episode. We're going to me and Tyler are going to put together um, our Deadpool for breweries that get acquired. Um, so start thinking. No one would have had Ballast Point on there either. No, no, no one's. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. So looking back, I'm like, people that have already sold her in play again. <laughs> That does lead a whole new, yeah, that does give a whole new, like, uh, angle to this. You go, well, shit, now Elysian can be on there, maybe even yeah. Goose Island. Someone rescue... Golden Road? Someone, well, fuck Golden Road, I hate those guys, but, but I mean, someone rescue Elysian, uh, Ten Barrel let them stay, but <laughs> I would be happy if somebody rescued Elysian, so start start saving up that those pennies, kids. But anyway, <laughs> not for nothing. Tell me about Anderson Valley. <laughs> so, um, Jeremy, you want to give a little backstory kind of on Anderson Valley, or you want me to... Go for it. 
So Anderson Valley, uh, based out of Boonville, California. Uh, I know they distribute up to the Idaho market. Mm-hmm. Uh, they distribute in like 30-some states. They're pretty, they got a pretty big fit, footprint. Yeah. Uh, with this here, they employ a total of 60 people. Uh, they distribute in 30 states. Uh, they haven't been releasing its production volumes in recent years, but they do estimate that it rank within the top 100 of breweries nationwide by volume. Um, some of their most notorious beers are going to be their Boot Amber Ale, their like Winter Solstice, Summer Solstice, their Rotating Goza series, which are phenomenal. Uh, I mean, I think I, I I'm not entirely sure, but I mean, if Anderson Valley didn't uh, like basically reawaken the Goza style, they they at least made it cool again because yeah. I mean Goza they do di- a year round Goza, and so it's four different Gozas, one for each season. Um, if you're not familiar with uh, the Goza style, basically it's a it's a German sour beer sort of kind of. I mean, it's not like a tr- it's not like a really really sour beer. It's kind of a light sour, um, usually salted. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it uh, um, uh, came to be around the Leipzig um, region of Germany, but it more or less died out in its home region. And American craft beer uh, uh, picked it up and ba- basically reawakened it. Yeah, it was a it was a dead style. That um, I'm not again. I'm not sure if Anderson Valley did the first one, but they did like the best one. Yeah, they did the they they did it. They made it popular. So I guess what I'm saying is, you're welcome, Germany. Uh, and then also they do their huge arker, which is Boonville for Turkey. Which mm-hmm. I'll get into what Boonville is, whatever the language Boonling. is. Boonling. 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 Uh, so with this here, uh. Their Huge Arker is a Russian Imperial Stout in wild turkey barrels. Most of their barrel-aged stuff is using wild turkey barrels. So, there's a little backstory on it. Uh, Jeremy, you want to get into the language? Because they have some funny names that make no sense in like, their coasters. I'll talk about it. And then well, it has a uh, translation on it. Well, I mean, so Boonling is basically like a regional dialect that I mean, it borders on a a new language on its own language. So I mean, their tagline is uh, "Balhornen," which is is in the area. Um, it means uh, good drinking. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other phrases that now, are. This on is there. the most redneck part of California. Yeah, um, but I mean, you can imagine it's like it, it's something along the lines of like Creole or something. But it is uh, go go look up uh, on YouTube Johnny Carson and Boonling. They they had a guy on Johnny on the Johnny Carson show back in the seventies or eighties um, that that could speak it and that's the best way I can describe what it is. But it is I mean it's it is English sort of kinda yeah. So like their beer Huge Arker yeah stands for big turkey. turkey yeah. Some of I mean some of the words sort of kind of make sense when you think about it, but um, um, but yeah it's it's. That's that's where it kind of gets kind of uh, equal parts slang, equal parts regional dialect. Uh, to again to listen to somebody speak it without knowing without being from the region, you could not understand a fucking thing they were saying. I mean, it's up there again with I'm, I'd almost compare it again uh, to. Uh, I think Creole's the best. Cre- uh, Creole's probably good. Although that is almost that is a mix of different languages. Um. I was thinking Cockney is also a good uh, okay. 
with their with their rhyming slang. I mean, it is not for the same reason, but it is if you're not a part of that community, you can't fucking understand what these guys are saying. Yeah. Uh, so now that you have a little backstory on Anderson Valley, um, with this here, the deal of the sale is expected to close on December thirteenth, so next week. Yep. Um, it is being purchased by Kevin McGee, who is an entrepreneur and a veteran of the craft beer and wine industries, as well as some of his family members have formed a group to buy out Anderson Valley from Trey White. Um, they haven't released any specific financial terms. Uh, the only thing I've been able to find from the Brewbound article is it's a cash deal. Right. So they're paying cash. Right. They're not financing. It's. I mean, it sounds like that you got some. We, we got some. Got. We got some people with money who said came to Anderson Valley guy and said, "Hey, you guys want money?" And they responded in Boonling and they said, "We don't know what you're saying." And they said, "Yes, we'd like some money, please." <laughs> um. So. They talked. Uh, both Trey White has said that McGee and his family, you know. We'll get Anderson Valley to where it needs to be. Uh, McGee has also said that, I mean, he has worked from the beer side to beer distributor, and he doesn't see beer dying at all. His family and him were looking for options to invest, whether it was liquor, uh, wine. They already have invested, I think, into some wineries. Uh, but they wanted to go with beer because that's what really caught his eye. He said beer's been around for more than 10,000 years as part of the human condition. Uh, so good beer will always have a home and will always be appreciated. What changes is the people that are producing it and the way to get it to the people that are drinking it. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have any outside investors outside of the family. Uh, they're not putting dead on the business so they've got the luxury of being able to think long term multi-generational they don't have to try to deal with did we hit our numbers for this quarter um and then he said one of the first moves as ceo of anderson valley will be to hire a brand manager to help increase its visibility in the marketplace uh he would also like to shore up the brewery's relationship with trade groups such as the brewers association and the california craft brewers association um, kind of give you a little backstory on this new CEO McGee. Uh, he moved to California for law school, became a prosecutor focusing on gang violence in various Bay Area district attorney's office. Uh, left that for corporate law, a corporate law firm. Uh, in 2005, he landed a Jack landed at Jackson Family Wines, owner of wine brands such as Kendall Jackson, La Crema. Um, the other, I mean, the, the supermarket brands that if they're not owned by Constellation, Constellation. they're okay. Yeah. Uh, I know. I, I know all of those. The founder of Jackson family wines, uh, sponsored his time at Stanford, uh, grad school of business. Um, from there he founded the Tradecraft strategic advisors, a consulting firm specializing in wineries, craft breweries, craft distilleries, and cannabis ventures. <laughs> of course um, they did. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, all right, what we're saying is if you're going to be in craft beer and you're going to own wine, you're going to own spirits, just add weed. Just add weed to it. Just just add that. Just be complete. 
2007, he began brewing in his garage with a one-barrel brew system. Jesus Christ. Um, what, a, what a rich prick move. Hey, yeah. I just began. Look at my barrel system. It probably is an SS Brutex uh, and then, barrel uh, system. He, so he did, when he started brewing, he founded his own company and actually sold some of the kegs. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, and his first on-premise account was Jarney Garlics in Windsor, California. Do you know who the owner is? Yes, I do. And would you like to let the audience know? It was Guy... No. It was Guy Fieri. Yep. You got <laughs> I was, it. I don't say Guy Ritchie. I'm like, no, no, no. He married Madonna and then uh, and then made Snatch. But... <laughs> but... So that's a little backstory. So he does have plenty of experience in the alcohol industry. Mm-hmm. I... Just from kind of reading this short little article, I kind of gave you the Cliff Notes version of the article. Uh, it's... I think... Anderson Valley will be just fine. Yeah, I no, this am, is it's t- t- everything about this seems like a, a good thing. It just uh, literally, so I think someone went to Anderson Valley and said, "Would you guys like some extra money to keep doing what you're doing?" And they said, uh, "Yes, please." And but as far as I could tell, uh, Trey White is actually stepping away, and yeah, that family is taking over day to day and going, "Okay, what can we do?" To get Anderson Valley now to the forefront, right? I mean, they're they're definitely taking it to the next level, hopefully. But it does. I mean, we may find out. We, we may be here talking next year when they when uh, um, when uh, Kings and Convicts buys Anderson Valley from these guys too. Going well, that didn't work. Did basically? I guess what I'm saying is Kings and Convicts is going to be the uh, <laughs> the, the brewery that like what? they're, they're going to be basically they're going to the, buy a legion. <laughs> They're gonna be basically the uh, uh, the shelter for all the abru- abused breweries. <laughs> when you have nowhere else to turn, you go to Kings and Convict. Can, can you buy us and get us out of this horrible relationship? Yeah. Yes, uh, we can. I am curious to talk to uh, the head of craft beer for a local distributor that carries uh, Anderson Valley. Anderson Valley, just to see what his opinion from the distributor side is of the changing of ownership. Uh, I'm assuming, unless he's heard something starkly different about these people, that he's probably excited, interested to see what's going forward. But I haven't talked to him yet, so I'm not sure. All right. What do we got next, Jeremy? Go ahead and go to the, go ahead and do the surge. I'll end with the Smithsonian. It's kind of like a it kind of struck me as a as a one to end on. So up next, we are having the clash of. All the millennials' favorite alcohol drink, and shut your filthy mouth. And <laughs> according to according to demographic according to the de- demographics, I am a millennial and I refuse. But go ahead. <laughs> all the millennials' favorite alcohol drink, and all the nostalgic '90s sugary drink, Surge. So White Claw is surging to new sales, and also releasing a White Claw, uh, White. Claw Hard Seltzer Surge, uh, which Coke is sending is trying to sue them for for infringing on their trademark uh, because it infringes on the Surge brand of citrus soda that Coke owns. Famously, who hasn't had a Surge uh, like every day of their life? Who hasn't like gone to the corner store? I don't remember. I vaguely remember Surge being a thing, but okay, adorable. Uh, so it was. Brought about in the 90s, discon- discontinued in 2003. That uh, that recently? Yeah, and okay. then Coke actually brought it back in 2014. Of course they did. And filed a trademark application for it on December 31st, 2013. Okay. 
Um, and again, I've been awash in Surge ever since. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't think I've had it since. But uh, with this here, uh, the Mark Anthony brands must respond to Coca-Cola's complaint by December uh, 30th. Both companies have a discovery conference by dis- January 29th because Coke is alleging that White Claw's products are highly similar and are closely related to the goods for which uh, Surge is registered and may be offered, at least in part, to the same or related class of purchasers distributed through the same or related channels of trade, advertisement, and promoted through the same or similar media channels. Which, it is going to be distributed through similar channels of a grocery store. Right. It is a canned carbonated beverage. Correct. One you have to be 21 for, one you have to be like 10 for. Correct. <laughs> I mean, you know, one delicious and the other made by Coke. <laughs> but, so that's kind of the newest thing is not everything is all rainbows and kittens in the hard seltzer world right now. I mean, I just really, really, really hope that um, that the lawyer um, for White Claw um, adjusts his suit and goes up during uh during the trial and says your honor um i'd like to submit for the court um it is well known that there are no laws when you're drinking the claws so this case is dismissed thank you (laughs) that'd be hilarious but this is the one time where i'm like if this was like another alcohol provider i'm like okay outside of like ab and bev you don't got the money to fuck with white claw i mean yeah but coke (laughs) Coke? Coke has more money than God. Yeah, but I don't... But, but you're fighting... Coke for, does, Jeremy. Yes. You can't argue that. No, I'm not They've arguing. They've got really good lawyers. No, I'm not arguing that, but it is a bit of a... I mean, but we're also talking about the new, like, what? Uh, I mean, uh, White Claw is reaching Bud Light numbers. Yeah. Um, And so, not richer than God, but close enough to, like, poke him in the eye. Tickle his balls, Zach. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, they're not... You Look, you can only hire so many high-priced lawyers. So, it's not like... Again, you just have the one guy who just states that there are no laws when you're drinking the claws, and you win. Yeah, maybe if your judge is 30 years old... They, are, they exist. <laughs> and if that case goes into the Deep South, where Coke is king... White Claw's hosed. Because that Ooh. old crotchety judge in Atlanta is going to be like, fuck you, Sonny. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's going to be like, wait, one of the, all right, one of you makes, one of you makes, uh, uh, one of you is Coca-Cola and the other makes, excuse me, what? Seltzer. Alcoholic seltzer? Yeah, that's, I'm finding you guilty. Warren Buffett, what's alcoholic seltzer? Don't worry about it. When we win this lawsuit, we're going to buy them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm signed with Warren Buffett and Coca-Cola. <laughs> you're, you're fucked, White Claw. I guess that's what we're saying. Back Probably, down. Pro- Back down. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? Do we know what surge is on White Claws? I have not please seen tell anything. Me that, please tell me it's not like an 8% White Claw because um, I'm just going to... Sorority chicks are going to be dropping left and right. I'm assuming... I haven't seen anything, but I'm assuming it's, it's going to be like a citrus-flavored 8% White Claw, which... I'm like, okay, if it is some sort of citrus flavor, I get where 
Coke's getting defensive? Yeah. If they were called like White Claw and Dew, I'm sure Pepsi would be all <laughs> over this. I'm just, I mean, if it's a stronger White Claw, I'm, I'm envisioning like bodies all over a, uh, all over a, a Spring Break beach, like look like Jonestown. I mean, look like Zombie Land. Yeah, it's just gonna be just, it's, it's. If you can drink it and it's like that, it's eight percent alcohol. People gonna die. All right. So maybe I guess what I'm saying is maybe Coca Cola is saving people. Coca Cola is trying to save people's <laughs> lives before giving them diabetes and they die. But so in other words, it's still super young. We'll keep you guys posted on White Claw V's Co- White Claw V Coke. All right. And we're not talking about the Colombian kind. Although, uh, if you have some, <laughs> we'll get to that. Anyway, all right. Craft beer makes the the Smithsonian news now. Um, last month, the Smithsonian uh, Museum unveiled a new exhibit. Uh, a Brewing Revolution display was added to their food exhibit uh, uh, during the fifth annual Food History Weekend. Uh, this article from craftbeer.com. Um, the exhibit uh, apparently includes uh, Charlie Papazian's wooden homebrew spoon. Um, I did know that that was going to be in that exhibit. I just didn't know when it would ever open. Yeah, and his plastic bucket. Um, if you don't know who he is, um, uh, Papazian... Are you even a homebrewer? I was going to say, first of all, if you're listening to this, you probably at least heard the name Papazian thrown around. Papazian literally wrote the book on homebrewing. He may be... He is the godfather. Yeah, he is the George Washington of everything we're doing. Yeah. Um, and one of the founders of the Brewers Association, the American Home Brewers Association. Right. Like. I mean, basically all roads lead to Papazian, who was um, who was doing homebrewing before it was popular. Or illegal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we get it. He gets into that a little bit. Um, um, Fritz Maytag, um, the guy who rebuilt uh, Anchor Brewing from obscurity, um, contributed... Uh, his homebrew textbook, and his brewing overalls and microscope. That's um, awesome. The microscope he actually used to improve uh, a- um, Anchor's um, uh, product. Um, Ken Grossman, Damn. founder of Sierra Nevada. Cont- first billionaire in beer. Um, he contrib- craft beer. Yeah, he contributed some labels from the first run of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. That's sweet. Um, Jack McAuliffe uh, contributed one of the few... <laughs> So you got <laughs> Tyler. Like no, that. keep going. He contributed some uh, some of the rare empty bottles from New Albion Brewing. Um, New Albion was the first brewery built literally from the ground up. Um, it's no longer a thing, um, but it. Um, I mean, it was him. It was him and Fritz Maytag, or are basically the the two the two guys who started. The, the first two craft beer uh, breweries. Um, and the mo- amazing thing is, is that they are all still alive and they were at a panel. Um, that would be a fun panel to sit in. I would give my left testicle to be at that panel. I mean, we're talking, yeah, these are, that again, these are the founding fathers of craft beer. Um, from from their from the from home brewing to the to early craft beer, these are the guys that literally built breweries when trying to make trying to build a brewery was just something you didn't do. Um, and like and as you mentioned, a lot of these guys uh, started before it was even legal. Um, Jimmy Carter officially legalized home brewing on October fourteenth, uh, nineteen seventy eight. Um, 
So when Papazian was teaching, it was illegal to produce beer at your home. Sorry, uh, we've got breaking news coming in. You woke? You fucking kidding me? No. Uh, so Josh Knoll tweeted out about two hours ago. Uh, Sixty to eighty million dollars is what was paid for Ballast Point Brewing four years after it sold for one billion dollars. Full Pint reported on sixty. Uh, he's getting some other numbers that cite 70 to 80. So we're looking 60 to 80 million dollars. Holy motherfuck. Not even like a, a 10. Yeah, not a, uh, yeah, not even 10% of what they originally paid for it. Holy shit. I mean, I knew it was going to be, I knew it was going to be not, but I was expecting at least a hundred million. Yeah. I, I was thinking probably 250 and then Constellation just take basically a 500 million. But... But not even, Hit. yeah, but geez. not even a hundred million. Holy shit. So sorry to interrupt, but <laughs> no, fair enough. That's why I, I was like, I was about to yell, holy fuck. And I was like, oh, stop. Jeremy's talking. So, <laughs> well, anyway, before, so before we got breaking news, um, no, uh, uh, Charlie was uh, doing a class, um, uh, a homebrew class. And there was one guy. That wasn't dressed like the others. I imagine like there's a bunch of dudes in jeans and a t-shirt, maybe sweater, you know, early, early homebrewers. So there's, everybody has a beard except for one dude in a, in a suit and tie. And, um, Charlie, uh, Papazian walks up to him and says, um, I know you have better, th-, basically said, I know you have better things to do than arrest a small homebrewer. Um, uh, thinking that he was a federal agent, um, whether he was or not will never be known. The guy just uh, upped and left. So he either like, you know, either stared down a federal agent or he just randomly scared some dude who doesn't understand. Don't endorse sales. <laughs> he, he just, under, he, he just uh, scared some dude who just tends to dress up wherever he goes. <laughs> Could The be guy either. was trying to, it was actually the founder of Kings and Convicts <laughs> trying to buy it. Um, Fritz Maytag was telling a story about, I mean, he, Fritz Maytag was ta- talking about how, a lot of inspiration uh, for uh, what he was doing at Anchor came from Guinness. Um, oh, shit. He said that nobody drinks a lot of Guinness, but everybody drinks some, and that's kind of what he was going for, is that uh, at the time was that a beer that – he wasn't going for your daily drinker. He was going for like a like something kind of special, like, ooh, it's – you know, this week's been extra special hard. I'm going to get me some you know Anchor Porter. And actually the Anchor Porter was kind of designed to be – his what, Guinness. Yeah, his Guinness. Um, and part of the story, and a lot of these stories kind of talk about, um, um, talk, talk about like founding craft beer before you could go and say, I want a one barrel system or a three barrel system. When you had to like build that shit yourself. Um, uh, Grossman talked about uh, having to drive a, uh, having to drive out to the farms to pick up his barley um, he picked up. He was picking up uh, ten thousand pounds of malted barley in his one-ton truck, <laughs> and <laughs> and he did. It did not go well. Basically, his his uh, he was talking about how his truck was fishtailing all over the all over the road. He was afraid to actually stop and start again, so he had to go um, all the way uh, all the way to the brewery and realized that when he got there, like from now on, I'm only taking half a load. Um, yeah. <laughs> Grossman's first delivery vehicle, actually, I did not know this, was a bagel truck that would was running bagels to Chico, and then he'd load up the beer and take it to his customers. So, 
Uh, that's I mean that's yeah it was this it's it was I was the ingenuity and the piecemeal of it. I just kind of it's it's interesting to rem, to remind ourselves that uh, that how new this industry is and how piecemeal it came together. I mean this was literally something uh, a a handful of guys put together that were like well nobody is doing this can we do it and not that long ago I mean we're talking about what Sierra Nevada started up in the eighties. Yeah, I um, mean, I mean, I, I want to say that Anchor New, New Albion uh, was founded in 1981, I think, um, and Anchor around the same time. So you know, only yeah, nearly 40 years ago. But that isn't that that is the founding of the industry. So that you know, I thought that was kind of cool. Super cool. I really kind of want to go see this exhibit now. Yeah, well, it's at the Smithsonian, apparently, now. Um, I don't know how long. It's part of like a rotating uh, uh, food, uh, a greater exhibit on food, so I'm not sure how long it's there. Uh, but uh, yeah. I mean, they should make at least that part a permanent. I mean, that is fairly integral to like where America is now. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Tyler, anything else today? Anyway, do you have any breaking news for us now? <laughs> uh, I want a breaking news like <laughs> drop in there when I say I got fucking breaking news. All right, I'll see what I, I will see what I can do. I mean, uh, talking about he- heavy sound engineering, and I'm not, I I don't do that shit. So I saw a tweet about uh, kind of some of the Brewbound live uh, afternoon sessions going on yesterday uh, that caught my one caught my eye. It said. Uh, one key way regarding mergers or M&A, so I'm assuming mergers and acquisitions. Okay. Uh, the focus is no longer on barrel growth or number of states distributed in, but rather killing it in a home market and being profitable. Yes. And I was like, that if that doesn't describe like all the big news outlets are saying, beer sign, beer sign. No, beer's evolving. Mm-hmm. It's not so much I need all fifty states to distribute my beer to. It's okay. We gotta be one of the favorites in our home market because if you can't win your home market, you're not gonna win four states away. Uh, I mean, it kind of goes back to something I saw on Twitter, and I've, I I read it out. I read it out loud a, a, a few weeks back, and I'm gonna half remember it now. But um, some some gentleman t- tweeted out basically. You know, uh, craft beer, you know, he's basically saying craft beer, you know, 2008 or something going, you know, people like us because we're local and fresh. Flash forward to 2015. Um, why isn't our, why isn't our, our pale ale selling halfway across the country? Should we invest more in social? Outside of that, I don't got a ton. Uh, enjoy your weekend, everyone, and drink a lot of good beer. All right. So as always, you can and play golf. <laughs> don't do that. That's, that's terrible. That's All how right. you buy ballot points. All right, fair enough. All right, so you can... But anyway, all right, so this has been It's All Beer. Um, as always, you can find us on Facebook uh, or on Twitter at It's All Beer. We do have Instagram, and I occasionally do things, do, do something on it, um, and that's at It's All Beer. Um, and as always, uh, leave us a review. Uh, you can review us on iTunes or Stitcher or on Facebook or wherever you get your podcasts. I still have like four of these goddamn. Uh, uh, so if you leave a review that says "chug, chug, chug" in it, then, Jeremy will chug another. I mean, or just leave a review uh, that's, and I will chug one of those awful, awful uh, logo stealing. Gotta be five star though. Yes. Yeah. 
but especially if I have to chug this guy. Or you can just write down there, uh, I like the podcast, don't chug it, Jeremy. I don't want you to die anymore inside. And I won't. So. He's already dead inside, don't worry about him. <laughs> all right. Oh, that'll be all from us. Uh, this has been a, 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 a brewery acquisitions edition, plus we both have a cold. <laughs> it's all beer, and uh, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to go die a little inside. Have a good one.